everyone, and welcome to the Screen Strong Families podcast, bringing you the best solutions for parents who are serious about finally eliminating screen problems in their home. This is Melanie Hempy, and I just want to welcome everyone today. I'm so glad you are here. If you are one of our regular listeners, welcome back. And if you are a new friend, we are so glad you found us. You are no longer alone with your screen questions. You have finally found your people, your village, we like to say over here. So if you are new to ScreenStrong, I just want to reiterate that we are not a screen-free organization, but we encourage parents to hit that pause button on toxic screens. And those toxic screens include smartphones and social media, video games, and pornography. Today, we have a wonderful treat. I wish I had had this information before we made so many mistakes with our oldest son. His gaming addictions were so difficult to manage, and I promised myself that I would never forget what it felt like to go through that conflict. So if you are new to Screen Strong, we are so glad that you are here. Today, we are going to hear from one of my younger sons, a high school senior now, talking about what it was like growing up without a smartphone, without social media, and without video games, thanks to his older brother. We tell Adam often how thankful we are for his story, and we are so grateful that Adam also speaks to groups and shares his journey of his gaming addiction, and he has helped so many families as well. Before we dive in, I just want to make note of a couple recent articles, but one of them is from CNN from last month. And the title of the article, the headline on it was, the Surgeon General says 13 is too early to join social media. You've got to read this article. It was fabulous. One of our medical partners, Dr. Stacy, is quoted in this article. It says, psychiatrists like Dr. Adriana Stacy have pointed to this phenomenon for years. Stacy, who works primarily with teenagers and college students, previously told CNN using social media releases a dopamine dump in the brain. And they quote her right here saying, when we do things that are addictive, like use cocaine or use smartphones, our brain releases a lot of dopamine at once. It tells our brains to keep using that, she said. For teenagers in particular, this particular part of the brain is actually hyperactive compared to adults. They can't get motivated to do anything else. This is such an incredible point to remember as parents. It's not so much all the negative content that our kids are getting through the virtual world, but it's this idea that they can't get motivated to do anything else. And Jean Twenge recently also said, quote, parents, tell your kids they can't have social media until they are 16 or at all. If they already have it, consider tapering that down to nothing. She says, kids and teens can communicate with their friends in other ways that don't have so many risks. I'm going to put this article in the show notes as well. I think it's really important to keep up with what the experts are saying, but I also think it's more important to follow your gut on this issue. So just a few quick things before we start. 
I just want to say three things. First of all, smartphones are not necessary for teens. Like I said, we did things very uh, incorrectly with our oldest son. And so with our younger three kids, we figured this out. And that's who you're going to hear from one of the boys today, one of our younger boys. But I want to say that kids adapt fine without smartphones and social media. They are not resilient to toxic things. We are learning through science that our kids are not resilient to toxic things, but they do adapt well to change and to good things that are happening. So your teen will be more than fine without that little mini computer in their pocket. Parents, you are the one that needs to be strong and you need to stand up to your own peers because this is really tough for us to do to stand up to the culture. The second thing really quickly is that teens will not be left out. They will be left out of certain things, but included in a whole lot of other things. So this idea that they're going to be left out without their social media, their smartphone is just a myth. And now, of course, we know that science is coming along to back all this up and to say, look, they don't need it. This is 48 months of high school. Your kids do not need this. They will love you for it, by the way, eventually may take a minute, but they will. And the third thing is that you will never regret skipping the teen smartphone phase. It comes with so many benefits and zero regrets. So we're not talking about not having a talk text phone. Of course, your kids can have a talk text phone. We're talking about not having a smartphone. So let's get started. This is Andrew Hempe talking to a group of parents who have children in elementary and middle school. Once again, my name is Andrew. <laughs> nice to meet y'all. Um, now that y'all are kind of starting on this journey of school and, you know, middle school coming up, the dark ages, as many refer to them, when, you know, social conformity and fitting in is the end-all be-all, right? And so, fortunately for those of y'all that are kind of starting on, on this journey in lower school, you're kind of hopefully before that curve. I know the, the age when kids are starting to get phones is getting closer and closer to zero, but... Now, it, hopefully, it's still, the innocence of lower school is still being preserved, I hope. But as you approach middle school, having a support group and a group of friends that are very like-minded will be crucial. So in terms of in, in friends and relationships, this is something that as parents, fortunately, y'all are able to control while, while your kids still hopefully aren't driving yet in middle school. Um, you're able to control, you know, who they're hanging out with for the most part. You can arrange with your with each other to kind of form coalitions, so to speak, to get groups of your kids together to hang out. And there's so much strength in those numbers. When you have multiple families, when you have a group of friends that are that are kind of, you feel like you're in this together, that's huge, especially in middle school when the peers you're surrounded by have such a tremendous impact on the way that you act and behave and the way you imitate your friends and things like that. So for me personally, it was pretty much me and my twin brother and everyone else. That was very difficult, but we made it. It's doable. And we, I mean, even in that hard, in that difficult, isolated, it felt like it was almost like us against the world, but it really wasn't. We had our family at home and that was really all we needed. And it, you know, it, we get, we give mom a hard time and things like that a lot. But the fact is once you, when you have each other, you have your family, that's really all you need. And if you build an infrastructure of multiple families and friends around you, then you really have a lot of combined strength in that sort of community. So that's something I would just encourage um, is to build a sort of framework and infrastructure of like-minded families and friends um, and kind of just, you know, 
use each other's strength to to push through and it's it's difficult to push against what you know popular culture and everyone else is doing and all the parents say that oh my kid just wants a phone so i guess i'll give it to him and when you know you have 80 families in the grade and 78 of them are doing it one way it feel it's hard to be a part of that other one or two but i would just encourage y'all to you know be strong be firm and just confident and if you have those allies that can really really make a huge difference in addition to that i i guess friends can be kind of related to this i would really encourage you to make sure your kids are involved in several varieties of activities that's one of my proudest attributes i would say and it's it's pretty nice when you have a full resume given that i'm in the college application season but um evan and i since pretty much before lower school and throughout school we've been playing the violin and the piano we run cross country for school we play baseball for school in the spring we participated we play on a church league basketball team in the winter in middle school we played on the school's basketball team Evan and I are both members of the Charlotte Symphony Youth Orchestra and have been since middle school and we participate in a church orchestra every Sunday in addition to other we we would go to an art studio to do clay projects and things like that for fun um so all that is just to say that you know there's a lot of noise around oh you don't want to crowd out your kids schedule and they need to have some time i mean Evan and I had a pretty crowded schedule and it really helped us thrive personally i think in terms of you know when you're talking about structuring your child's day in lower and middle school and high school there will be a lot of pushback when when you're driving them to a piano or violin lesson and they don't want to go and it's not cool and no one else plays the piano and I'm not good and I'm never going to be good and I'm not going to be a professional so what's the point those are all excuses that I'm sure Evan and I Evan and I probably said that many times but the fact is once once you get to high school and sometimes it's still even a little later than that but Evan and I have finally got to the point where we've realized how incredibly beneficial and blessed we are to have had mom and dad who were willing to drive us and put up with all of our complaints on the way to that violin lesson um and and having you know those skills in music and and sports and all of those varieties of things at high school it's really just so beneficial i'm so thankful to have been raised in a way that has made me i consider myself a well-rounded person in addition to that kind of tying back to the friends aspect Evan and I interact with and have interacted with so many different groups of people on a daily and weekly basis from the the baseball group that's you know that you could you could classify it with a pretty firm stereotype of the the jock that doesn't do too well in school or something like that that just cares about baseball and then you've got the orchestra group that's very different that's typically more academic and very intense about their music and just interacting with such a wide spectrum of people on a daily and weekly basis was just so beneficial for me and Evan and just developing and I mean learning social skills figuring out how to make friends with people that are different from you that are similar with you um uh, all of those things were just really tremendous for me and Evan growing up and I think that's a lot thanks to mom nudging us out the door a lot of times and and kind of even just putting her foot down and saying I know it's best for you and I remember mom would always say, "Well, if you want to quit the violin, you can quit when you're 18." And so Evan and I, we would pray and pray and we would cross our fingers and we would hope that that day when we were 18 kept on coming and kept on coming. And this past summer it finally arrived and I was like, "You know, maybe I'll stick with it." <laughs> so, um, that was just that, that was something that mom always said and 
it, I, I get I, I get that it can be difficult. I'm sure it was difficult for mom to have to say, well, I know it's best for you and you can complain right now, but this is what we're doing. And so that's what I would encourage y'all to, to implement that as well, because really you do know it's best for your kids. They don't in lower and middle school and high school even. And so I would just encourage y'all to even have confidence in knowing what's best for your kid because a lot, I mean, there's even a lot of noise around, oh, the kid should kind of drive the bus and the kids should be able to, to determine how the parent raises them. I think that's just kind of reversing a lot of the order. That's not the way things are supposed to be. So even just in that countercultural sense, just having confidence in your ability as a parent, even when, you know, you won't be certain about everything, but being willing to kind of put your foot down and say, I know it's best for you and I love you. So we're going to do this, even if you're going to complain about it right now. I would just leave you with the major encouragement. Just don't give up. That was the main thing with mom and everyone. A lot of people can start music and you can start sports and you can start art lessons, but when the going gets tough, it's it's pretty easy to just give up and give in to your kid because they they start complaining and two or three weeks in a row they have a bad lesson and, oh, I'm no good at this. I guess we'll just give up. That is just pretty much one of the worst things you could do. So I would just urge you to and encourage you to continue to I don't know, be confident. The skills that your kids will glean from these various environments and activities and friend groups and things like that will really just set them up and develop them to become truly well-rounded people. They really just sets them up for an incredible and amazing life of relationships that are, that are meaningful and beneficial and beyond the surface level. And yeah, that's just, I would just encourage y'all to Especially when you have that infrastructure infrastructure around you, you can build off each other. Just don't give up. Stick with it. I know mom's mom's perseverance has really paid off. And yeah, middle school is the, the big transitional phase, the dark ages, as I said earlier. And that's when a lot of kids, their parents start getting the phones. And by eighth grade, it'll probably be 95% or higher that have phones and social media and all of that. And of course, me and my brother were, were not a part of that majority. And we really gave mom a hard time about it. We, and I'm sure your kids will do the same. It's just, you, when you're in middle school, fitting in is everything in your eyes. And, and when everyone else is doing it, oh, I guess it must be right. I guess I, I'm supposed to have a phone. I, I deserve a phone, right? I, I've earned it because I've worked so hard through my 14 years of life that I earned this phone. So I don't know, I don't know. That, that is certainly a very strong dynamic in the mind of your middle schooler, and that's something that we have to under, I mean, is worth understanding, um, given just the social pull and the strength of that desire to fit in. On the flip side of that, Evan and I always had friends. We never had trouble finding people to talk to or sit with at lunch um, because we had a phone. It wasn't like there was this, oh, this half of the lunchroom is for all the normal kids, and then these are the these are the kids that don't have phones. They don't know anything we're talking about. That was never the case. It was never, like, I think I think the whole fear of missing out and fitting in, it really gets blown out of proportion because, sure, I might have missed out, but the stuff I missed out on really wasn't that much. It wasn't that substantive. It wasn't that meaningful. I think it's also really worthwhile to, to realize that there are some things that are most certainly worth your kid missing out on. Whether that's all of the you know terrible things on the internet, or just the bad influences they can they can encounter in the I don't know having popular culture blasted at them for hours a day through a phone, 
and you know supplanting the hours they would be spending talking to you or at the dinner table and instead going up to their room scrolling through Instagram. It's worthwhile to remind yourself that missing out is always generally termed as, oh, that's a bad thing. But I firmly believe there are good things to miss out on. And that's certainly the case with the smartphone and, and social media and all of that stuff. So yeah, in middle school, you're, I, I can pretty much guarantee that you'll get some firm complaints and pushback from your middle school age children. But um, I would most certainly encourage that there's no doubt that it's for the best that you put off that smartphone. There's a lot of concern around, oh, my kid won't have any friends. They won't have anything to do. But, but like I said earlier, when, when they're spending their time developing real skills with, with the arts and with sports and building actual in-person relationships with people, when that's how they're spending their time, you'll find that they're just a lot more fully developed and enriched people than their peers even who spend all their time on a smartphone. It's difficult to just say, oh, well, I guess I can endure this temporary complaint and keeping the long-term in mind. That's difficult to do, but it's so worth it. And I guess my personal story, going from middle school to high school, it kind of it didn't really have much to do with, with the phone and all that. I personally just, I was tired of the way I was acting. I was a real troublemaker in middle school, and it was pretty bad. So I was not, I was not in, uh, a model citizen in middle school by any standards, but... <laughs> Um, so going into my, my freshman year in high school, I really made a decision that I wanted to pursue friends that were going to be more meaningful and more genuine than kind of the, the friend group that I had been stuck in that I felt like wasn't really being a good influence on me. Fortunately, I was blessed with a wonderful new friend group that, um, that I am still really close with today. And some of them are back in the classes that I'll be returning to. And, uh, and I found that those friends that, that I, was blessed with that I kind of replaced my less beneficial friend groups with from middle school work. They, I found that they really didn't mind that I didn't have a smartphone. And that was incredibly relieving. And they all did, but you know, only one or two of them actually had social media. And that was by their own choice. And I think by the time you get to high school, it'll be rare, but there will be people that are really good people that of their own volition, they choose to not... I don't know, give in to that cultural expectation that everyone has to have social media and fit in in that respect. And so I think for me, going into high school, having that friend group where our friend group was centered around our relationships with each other, and it wasn't centered around the smartphone or the, or the Xbox or the PlayStation and things like that. When, when I found those relationships that were truly meaningful for the relationships that they were and not for the you know, they weren't just offshoots of the device. That was really what what started to, I don't know, really prove beneficial for me. In terms of your kid kind of coming to the light a little bit and, and starting to speak and thank your mom even for not giving you a smartphone, um, that will happen in high school, I expect. And uh, that's that's when it has really started to happen for Evan and me. And and kind of realizing that, oh, playing the violin is actually kind of a cool thing now. Like, hey, not a lot of people can do that, and I can. That's kind of interesting. Um, that sort of appreciation will come a lot with, with your child's uh, gradual maturity and, and appreciation for the time and effort that you spent. Another aspect of, of uh, my story and kind of one of the ways I've been blessed is I have an incredible, and my brother and I have an incredible group of guys. There's about seven of us that are all within two or three um, years of age. 
that live in uh, live in our neighborhood, and we have a little gang. We call ourselves the Winter Rope Boys, but that that's a whole separate issue. But um, that's that's one of the ways that I've been blessed is I've had that that even geographically close group of people, um, and I found that you know it's not so much or I, I'm trying to think how to say this best, but when you when you are different, you'll find that the people who are attracted to you are attracted to you a lot of times because they respect that and they appreciate that and they value that. Um, so the pe- like the people in our neighborhood even were blessed that they they kind of started to you know come alongside us and we're like, well, I actually that's really cool that you you don't have a smartphone and sure it's, I mean I they still have smartphones but they'll they'll respect that and they're like, I really like I enjoy hanging out with you and you're you're an interesting person. Um, because because you aren't kind of the fit into the same mold that everyone else is by by the popular culture influences that are blasted through smartphones. So having that that group and also my group at school is really what was beneficial to me. And one thing that I really appreciated um, about high school in general was being able to develop friendships with upperclassmen who were always, I mean, just by the fact that they're older, they tended to be, to be more mature. And so my freshman year, I became pretty good friends with some seniors that were very similar to me. And in the fact that they didn't really feel the need to conform to that social expectation of having social media and all those things. And I, I have great friendships with them. They're years into college by now, and we still, we still keep up and we call kind of regularly. And it's, it, it was really remarkable, I think having that group at school, especially in high school, once you can start to branch out a little bit and it feels more like you have 300 people in your grade instead of just the 75 or 80 um, that you're used to having. So yeah, that was one thing for me and and particularly at school, I felt like I was able to find a group of people that appreciated um, who I was as a person and I was able to appreciate who they are as people and we were able to bond over that and build an actual relationship. The substitution of a phone even in social settings, when you're with other people, but people still choose to be on their phones. I think, just a side note, that's a huge reflection on the addictive capabilities of these phones. The fact that a middle schooler, high schooler would choose to go out with their friends and then stay on their phone while they're with their friends. That's, that's just a disturbing concept. Yeah, and it's rude, exactly. So when Evan and I hang out with our friends, like I said, we've developed a friend group that respects and even emulates the fact that we don't depend on social media. So our interactions are entirely based on one another and not that outside source of information coming through a phone or something like that. And so sometimes, you know, people will take out their phones and and text others and that's like, that's fine. But that's not the main attraction when it, when it comes to hanging out. When, when Evan and I get together with friends, we get together with friends. Like that's the, the reason we we meet up with people or go out to lunch is to engage with those people um, and have meaningful conversations and and just have fun with one another. Yeah, that's a very like concerning aspect of society in general is that you can't go any you can can't really go anywhere without seeing people next to each other, across from each other, with each other on their phones. In terms of kind of combating that. I guess it's a new social dynamic. It's a new aspect of the way people interact. I found that people really appreciate it when you're willing to be the one who speaks up and says, hey, let's actually just be with each other 
and not with the four million people that we're trying to keep up with on Instagram. Let's let's just be here and now and with each other. People really respect that. And I've be, I've been in social settings where people are aware of the fact that I don't have a smartphone and you know, maybe it'll start to go down. There's a lull in the conversation, so you know, people, oh gosh, can't have a moment of silence. That'd be weird. So they pull out their phone. So, and and I've actually been very pleasantly surprised. It'll be there'll be a girl or guy who I know has a smartphone, and they'll say, hey, let's let's put let's all put our phones in the middle, and and we'll just engage with one with one another while we're here. I've even, some people even do it where everyone puts their phone in the middle and the first person to get a notification has to pay for lunch. Or the first person to check their phone has to pay for lunch. It's kind of, it's fun things like that where when you kind of are able to have some fun with it and get some like-minded people by your side, it's so much more valuable to have those these actual real interactions with people. That's, that's really a universal truth. Even the people who you think are so incredibly tied, like even just like the phone is sewn to their hand and in front of their eyes, you would think they could never put it down. I've been so incredibly astonished and impressed with the fact that people really do respond well when it comes to having that respect for actual human interaction. Um, a lot of times it just takes someone to speak up and, and say, hey, let's, let's be here instead of somewhere else. One area that I definitely find frustrating about kind of the trend, it's unfortunate that everyone kind of just assumes, oh, well, everyone else has computers and, and iPads for all the students, so that means it has to be right, or it automatically has to be better than doing math with a pencil and paper. I still prefer doing math with a pencil and, and paper. And so that's, that's one area that I think, yeah, that's very frustrating when you feel like the school even is forcing you to either compromise or feel like an outcast because of the, the principles that you want to um, hold there. But I can say that through my experience in high school even, where we had to make the decision, I got a computer my freshman year, but I really, I used that computer for schoolwork, and that was just about it. And that didn't encroach into any of my, the time I would spend doing any of the numerous other activities that I engaged in. And um, I was able to, through the help of mom and dad and having Evan alongside, um, I was able to kind of, ha I had to adapt to the school's requirements that I had a computer, but I was able to use that in a way that was beneficial for me because having a computer is great for school, especially in high school. It's debatable more in the lower and middle school years, but it's a tool that the school saw as essential. So we had, we got a computer, but I was able to set the limit on that as using it as purely a school computer. Um, and so in terms of that iPad for a math assignment or things like that, um, I can't really offer a perfect answer, but I would say this, at least something that worked for us in high school was making sure that we use academic materials for academic purposes. And so um, when the computer is something that I have in my backpack, I use it to do things in my backpack. And I don't, I don't use it for you know the hours of entertainment and time wasting that it could otherwise be used for. So, uh, what will you do when you go to college next year? Oh, I'll probably sit in my dorm and binge video games for 12, <laughs> 12 to eighteen hours on a day on average. But no, so I in terms that in terms of the college question, that's something that we've even thought about. We've had to think about now that we're doing college applications and all this stuff. And in terms of even some of the places I'm thinking about going, 
Like, for example, I'm pursuing an, an, app, an appointment to the Naval Academy where it's pretty difficult to, you know, go off the rails. It's still possible, I guess. But, um, but yeah, and my experience would definitely depend on the college I end up going to. But the fact that I've been raised in a, in a way that I'm, I'm accustomed to filling my time with productive activities and real relationships as opposed to those, you know, black holes of screen time. I think that that's definitely something that I, I, don't, I don't want to abandon, and I don't think I will. Um, and I think that the mom and dad have done an incredible job of raising me for the 18 years I've been here. That I don't think that the first week that I go off to school that I'll completely abandon that. And, and I'm thankful that mom and dad have, have prepared me so that that won't happen. I have confidence that you know as I go off to college and you know the huge culture shock that a lot of people um, have begun to warn me about that I will continue to be who I've been raised to be and yeah be different. There's a, a kind of a stigma around the term helicopter parent that I'm sure mom has mentioned several times already but that's kind of the one of the, the kind of the arrows that the culture likes to shoot at a parent who thinks it's a good idea to protect their kids from some of the bad things that are out there because culture's not perfect and for some reason you know, the parenting world and popular culture has labeled that as a bad thing. Like, as if parents shouldn't want to protect their kids from bad things out there. Like, as if you shouldn't make your kid wear a helmet when they ride their bike. It's like, it's as if protecting is somehow a, has a negative connotation now. I, I would encourage you guys to, I guess, rebel against that popular um, stigma against protecting your kids because... I think that's one of the major roles of parents is protecting your kid and helping them to, you know, grow up and even preserving their innocence. There's so much innocence that's lost because kids are being exposed to the real world at age nine. And when that, like, that used to be what happened when you got to college or high school, but now it's happening before kids are even in fifth grade. Just on a kind of a closing thought, I guess, um, those restrictions, not giving your kid a smartphone, restricting their computer heavily these types of things are things that you know people will say oh you're just the the crazy parents that don't let their kids do anything and you just hate your kids and you don't want them to have any fun and you and you hate them with your whole heart and it's like it's it's this this backwards perception of protect of protecting and you can turn that into a little bit of like a warrior mindset but Stay, protect your kids. That's that's a huge part of your responsibility as a parent. And so I think regardless of what people try and, and tell you that that's weird or wrong, I think that's that's one area that most certainly could use a lot of fortitude and courage is just being firm and protecting your kids. Thank you all so much for listening today. I do think that we have spent so much time as a culture trying so hard not to overprotect our kids that we're failing to protect them and guide them. I really appreciate Andrew's comments on that. I appreciate his ability to get up and just speak so freely on this topic. Remember, teens are apprentice adults. They are not adults yet, and they need you now more than ever. So what's your homework? Your homework, share this podcast with your spouse, your teens, your friends, your peers, your teachers. I think it is really good to hear 
coming from another teen, exactly what this was like growing up without all the distractions of social media and all the things that come with just having that smartphone in your pocket. I think the other benefits for your your kids is that they learn to do so many other things. You know, we don't have that much time to fit everything that is good in their life. And screens really do take a lot of that time. And like we said earlier, it takes a lot of motivation away. So I think you can tell from listening to Andrew that he is pretty highly motivated to do a lot of fun non-screen activities. The second part of your homework is to listen to number 91, our podcast number 91, that there's a Q&A there that Andrew and Evan both are tackling with some questions from um, our Facebook group. We have a private Facebook group that you can go take a look at, Screen Strong Families, but we also have a wonderful forum on our website because we don't know what's going to happen with Facebook one day. So please go to our website and sign up and just your email. We don't send too many things, but you'll be able to get into the private form there that is free. The third thing is look at our Screen Strong Lifestyle course. And this is where you want to gather your friends together and start your own village, start your own group and your tribe, your Screen Strong tribe. Even if you get four or five families together, this course can be treated like a book club where everyone reads their lesson and they come and they discuss it. We've had so much success with this. We also have a bulk rate discount for your school or even for your small group. And then the uh, next thing is to be on the lookout for our student version of the course. Yes, it's coming. It's in the works right now. Dr. Stacy and I are working hard on getting this wrapped up and presented this summer. We will have the student version of our course. Can you imagine being able to sit down with your teenager in their language and have them understand all the things that are in our parent course. We're very excited about that. And then finally, we are a nonprofit organization. So please consider donating to keep these podcasts coming. Remember, we've got your back and we are here to help you remove the screen conflicts from your home. So until next time, stand up for your kids, stand out from the crowd and stay strong.